You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. I've been through a few cycles now. We've talked about it, you know, in the industry for two decades. So I've seen like up and downs in rates. No big deal. That's that's what it is. That's the industry. What's crazy is the volatility going on hmm. in mortgage rates over the last couple of weeks. Literally, we're talking about like 80, 100 basis point swings in each direction in one day. That is normally several weeks worth of movement, even months in literally a day or two. And that's making it really hard for mortgage lenders and investors in these mortgage-backed securities to price the loans. So it's making it that, again, huge swings. There could be like one day you may be getting a 6.5% rate. uh, The next day you might be getting 7% in just a short period of time. That wasn't usually even possible. Like maybe an eighth of a point differential in a day. Now we're talking about half a point or more in rate in a day. Unprecedented. I mean, People that I know in the industry that have been doing this since the 70s and 80s, that's when they compared it to like the early mid 1980s when the rates were very, very um, volatile. Paul Volcker was the Fed chair. They raised the rates through the roof. I mean, it was like we look at it back now as the insane times, yet we're in these times again now. And several have said that we'll be able to tell our grandkids, like as mortgage professionals, that we live through this. They're calling this past Monday Red Monday because it was just uh, absolute travesty of what happened to mortgage bonds uh, this past Monday. And then Tuesday, they rebounded and it's like uh, a little bit. And then Wednesday, even more. And then today they're back again in the red. So it's like every day is just tumultuous. It's difficult. I guess the biggest advice I can give someone if you're under contract to buy a home or refinance, like make sure your rate gets locked in right away. It's not worth trying to get greedy and maybe save an eighth of a point here or a quarter point there. Just lock in your rate. Know that there'll be refi opportunities in the next 12 to 24 months and don't look back because right now just that floating anything is just it's too difficult it's too stressful and you may end up losing the house whether it's a refi or a home purchase you know like on a purchase you're approved for a certain rate now you're getting a much higher rate you may not be able to buy that house anymore that's a stressful situation for everyone so my clients are locked in that's what i'm preaching but i know there's a lot of listeners that maybe are in the process of a transaction somewhere else and maybe they're looking at homes and not yet locked in. Like this is very important things to be discussing. Rob, I'm, in, in listening to you speak on this, you're you're referencing individuals who are already in the process of obtaining right. a mortgage because they're buying a home. What about to the average person right now who is saying, <clears throat> you know what, uh, we're, we're starting to look now or I'm putting, I just put my house on the market or the opposite. Uh, we're just starting to look at houses. What what words of advice do you have for either of those, I, either the of them? The advice that I give is timeless because it's the advice I've given on shows for so long now, which is who you work with matters more than ever. Like the real estate professional you're working with is so important to that negotiation process right now because we are sh- in a shifting market. There are uh, abilities now to get lower prices, pay under list or get seller concessions. Those weren't there six months ago, a year ago. Now they're there. So your real estate professional, your consultant is going to be super important on the mortgage side. 
your lender, like their experience, their ability to navigate these tumultuous markets, just like having a financial advisor that has been through recessions and the market's going up and down, you need the same thing in a lender because if they let that loan go just for a day or two, it could literally mean the difference between you getting the house and you losing the house. And that's huge. That's a lot of money on the line. That's your actual home that you're going to live in, putting your head on the pillow at night that could be could be gone if it's not done right. So forget what the rates are. Put all that behind you. We don't have control over a lot of that stuff. What we do have control over is who we align ourselves with and the team that's behind us. And now more than ever, you got to have that expert mortgage pro that's looking out for your best interest, that knows how to navigate, and that real estate professional that can help you get the best deal, get that low price, get the concessions where possible from the seller. So that's my advice to everyone buying a home, looking at buying or refinancing today. Good. So kind of turning it over now to our topic for today, what I wanted to talk about was closing delays and how to avoid closing <laughs> delays, because you either uh. have been through this or you know someone that's been through a horrible real estate transaction, a nightmare transaction. There's delays. The closing doesn't happen on time. Everyone's stressing out, but it doesn't have to be like that. Why? Why are there so many closing delays? Let's start there. Right. So buying a, or getting a mortgage or buying a home is not the same as buying a pair of sunglasses off of Amazon. It's not the same as buying a uh, dinner off of Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash or one of these apps. So you can just go in and click a button and get a mortgage. I know that certain lenders would like you to think that it's that simple but it's not. It's a little bit more complicated than that. There's a lot of moving parts in the mortgage process. So I'm talking about you've got appraisals that need to get done and reviewed. You have verifications like employment verifications, assets. We have to uh, look at your documents. There's all these different pieces of the puzzle and different people involved in each. And because of that, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a million things that could go wrong in any mortgage transaction because there's so many different pieces to that puzzle. And at the same time, there's different parties. We've got buyers, sellers, attorneys, uh, inspectors, appraisers, all these other people. That's just like a list of not even half of the people involved. So you can imagine when you have all these different people going all these different ways, looking at different things, everyone's got to be on the same page, right? If even one thing is out of place, if one person has a delay, the entire transaction gets held up. It's kind of like being on the highway and you're going down and you hit, uh, you know, or you get close to a person in front of you and they're going like 60. Well, even though you are going 80, you have to slow down to accommodate them sure. if it's a one lane road. Same thing with a mortgage transaction. You might be going along smooth sailing, then all of a sudden a title search comes back or an appraisal comes back. And it's like, whoa, everyone, we got to stop. We have to take care of a hurdle or issue that comes up. And this can happen time and time throughout a transaction. Now, luckily, normally, each transaction only has one major hurdle to overcome. Come. But some do have more than that. And the more hurdles that you have, the more possible it's going to be that there's going to be a delay. Rob, on the can you go through some of the most common deadlines on a home purchase contract? Right. So when you're buying a home, there's different deadlines that are going to need to be adhered to. These deadlines are going to be on the contract that you sign to buy the property. So the first one is going to be if you're doing an inspection, there's going to be an inspection deadline. Normally, it's like seven to 10 days after the contract is done that you'll have to inspect the property. Um, some people are waiving inspections still, but most are doing them. So 
If you're doing that inspection, you have to do it within that timeline so that you can renegotiate or discuss the findings of those inspections with the seller. If you don't do it in that deadline, then all bets are off. So it's very important to adhere to. The next deadline you wanna be aware of is the mortgage contingency deadline. So this is gonna be a date when your mortgage needs to be ready for closing. It needs to be uh, cleared to close or very, very close to ready for closing so that everyone knows that you're, you can deliver on your promise to get this mortgage. That mortgage contingency date, uh, it varies. Usually it's around 30 days, maybe 20 days, depending on uh, the transaction after that inspection is complete that we're going to need to have that mortgage contingency. If it's a longer contract, like a 60-day contract, you may not need that mortgage contingency until maybe 45, 50 days out. Um, so again, depending on the transaction, that will determine those dates. The last date and probably the most important date is the closing date. So depending on the contract, who does it and the type of contract, sometimes it'll just give a closing date and time. Sometimes it'll say on or before a certain closing date. My experience is because my company, we get loans ready to close quickly. So a lot of the time we'll be pleading and asking the seller if we can close early. Um, sometimes they allow it, sometimes they don't. But at least you know the closing date that's on the contract, that's typically going to be the final date of when you know things will get done. But what would you say are some of the top reasons why refinancing closings are are delayed. Right. So when people think of closing delays, a lot of time they just think of the purchase purchase and sale, purchase contract type of uh, transaction. Mm -hmm. But delays can also happen with refinancing because no matter what transaction you're in, we have to lock your interest rate. And that rate lock is only good for so long. It could be 30 days, 60 days, et cetera. So um, refinance closings can be delayed, which can affect the rate lock. But the main reasons why are going to be appraisal delays or issues. So sometimes we do need an appraisal. And if the appraiser is going to take a week or two just to get out of your get out to your home to see the property, that could cause a delay in the underwriting process and the closing process. So I would say appraisal delays or issues are a big one. Also, if the appraiser comes back and there's repairs needed on your home, they typically are going to require most repairs are going to be done before you can close. So depending on how big those repairs are, that could add anywhere from a couple days to a couple weeks to the closing process on a refinance. So that's big to know. Another mm. thing that I see a lot is title issues. So people think just because I've refinanced before or got enough, you know, bought the property a year or two ago, everything's fine. The title's fine. But I'll see people that just got a new mortgage in the last year and an issue will come up on their title. I would say the most common issue is an old discharge missing. It might be from you, it might be from a previous owner, but the title policy or the title commitment will show who owned the property and the different items that are on the title, like other liens that were on there, other mortgages that were taken out. And sometimes in transactions of people refinancing, paying loans off and selling properties, for whatever reason, those recordings don't get done with the clerk for whatever town they're in. Happens so often, you wouldn't believe it. But a lot of these town clerks do things the old-fashioned way and paper gets lost and things just happen. And these old discharges can cause a delay in closing because we need to get a discharge. I had one the other day. It was from someone that owned the house like three or four years before them, yet there was still an old mortgage on the title. We had to track down that old discharge and it took a couple days. But again, that can be an issue. Another thing that comes up is old liens on the title. So there might be like an old a tax lien or mm. a water lien or sewer or something that just came up in the last several months. You may not even know about it or disregarded a notice that was sent. When we go to pull a title search on your property, that'll come up and those liens need to be paid off. Unfortunately, 
these liens, we have to get a payoff statement and the payoff statement typically will come from like a municipality, like a town or city. Government agencies do not work quickly. So when you ask for a payoff, even if it's like a $600 water or sewer lien, it might take them a week or several days just to be able to get you that. So that can cause delays, that can cause issues. And if you as the borrower on a refinance, if you're dragging your feet getting your documents to your loan officer or processor when they're required, that can cause a delay. But I think the biggest thing people need to realize is that in a mortgage transaction through the process, we're peeling the onion back, right? So every time we peel that onion back, we get to a new layer of the onion. Sometimes something new comes up and new documents get asked for, new questions get asked, new concerns come up, and we need to be able to address those quickly. And that can happen no matter what type of loan you're getting. You know, you get one document and it brings up questions, then you get another document, and it brings up more questions. And again, it's just peeling that uh, layers of the onion back. So you wanna be aware of that and make sure that you're being astute when it comes to getting the documents. What out. are your top tips to helping buyers avoid closing delays? Right, so top tips to help you avoid delays on your next closing. Number one, respond to document requests or information requests from your lender as soon as possible. If you can respond within a couple hours, great. No longer than 24 hours. Understandably, everybody's busy, but you should be able to carve out little bit of time here or there in the middle of a real estate transaction to get your lender the documents that they need. That's number one, first and foremost. Next thing is don't hide anything. Disclose everything to your loan officer up front at the time of the application. Any and everything that you can tell them about your finances, your scenario, what you're looking to accomplish, the more the better that's gonna help them design the right loan and make sure that the loan meets the guidelines so you don't have last minute issues understandably, things will change through the process. I've had people switch jobs. I've had people change bank accounts. These are things you don't wanna do, but sometimes they're unavoidable. Make sure you talk to your loan officer before you make any changes or adjustments, and through the process, they're gonna find out, so you might as well tell them. It's gonna make things a lot more smooth, ultimately, for you. And the last thing is that you wanna communicate things that will affect the loan approval as we progress. So if you're gonna be going out of town, if you're not gonna be available for a few days for whatever reason, if there's gonna be an issue that's gonna be coming up, tell us way ahead of time so we can build that into the timelines, the rate lock, the process, and the communications with the other parties, okay? So those are my top tips for avoiding closing delays. How can a homeowner who is uh, looking at or maybe is even already in the process of refinancing avoid the most common closing delays that you've heard of. Yep. So when you're doing the refinancing, a lot of people think, I already own the home. It's not going to be as much required. It's not going to be a big deal. And it's not most of the time, but you want to set the precedent in the process to make it stress-free and make it simple for you and everyone that you're working with. So number one is have all of your documents available and ready, prepared up front. So I'm talking about if you're a W-2 employee, have your pay stubs, your W-2s, your bank statements. You want to have your driver's license, most recent mortgage statement. Have all that stuff ready up front. If you're self-employed, you want to have your last couple years of, of uh, federal income tax returns. You want to have your asset documents, investment account statements. You want to have not only your personal, but also your business returns. That's a big one people miss. If your business files tax returns, we need at least one to two years of those business returns. So have all that ready 
so you don't have to go to your accountant or go somewhere to dig these out of the attic. If you have those ready up front, if we can get them within 24, 48 hours of starting that refinance process, it's going to make it move much quicker and hit the ball or hit the ground running, I should say. Uh, the next thing is disclosures. So when you're starting your refinance process, your lender is going to send you your mortgage disclosures. They're typically going to be sent electronically. These are the disclosures on what the loan is going to entail, all of the government disclosures, the numbers, the payment estimates, closing costs, etc. Once you get that link to sign those disclosures, sign those as soon as possible. Don't sit there and let those disclosures sit in your email for several days. It's going to hold up the process. If you look at the disclosures and you have questions about a number, if you have questions about a fee, Contact your lender immediately about it. Let them handle it with you. Let them explain it to you so you can get that problem solved, get clarification, and then you can sign. Because until those disclosures are signed, we are completely paralyzed from moving on with the mortgage process, employment verifications, things like that. Um, the next thing is appraisal. So in the case that an appraisal is needed on your property while refinancing, you really want to get that appraiser in there as soon as possible. So anybody over the age of 18 can let them in. So if it's not you, have somebody else over 18 let them in. Just try to get them in there as soon as you can, because once the appraiser comes to your home, it may take them anywhere from a couple days to a week to get that report back. So the sooner they can get into your house, the sooner we can get the report back and move forward in the process. And the last thing is that additional document requests are probably going to be required. So like while your loan's processing, the underwriter might ask for something else. Maybe they need an additional bank statement. They, maybe they want to copy your 401k or an updated pay stub. If they ask you for documents, get those in as soon as possible. Again, if you can do it within a few hours, that's ideal. But worst case, within 24 hours or less, that'll keep the process moving along. That'll make sure that you can close on your refinance successfully. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. If you'd like more information, uh, I would suggest making an appointment by calling this phone number 860-413-3938. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Rob, can you talk about how the professional relationship between real estate agents, uh, mortgage lenders, even the closing attorneys, they can all be enhanced or even tarnished based on these delays? Yeah, so a home purchase transaction is very delicate because there are so many different people involved in the process. And I like to look at myself as the quarterback of the team. So I'm helping coordinate the realtors with the title company or attorney with the buyer and really making sure that that communication is fluid and it's happening so everyone knows where we're at. Everyone's on the same page. Deadlines are key as we're discussing. So missed deadlines can mean bad vibes between people. It can mean, you know, not getting a commission for a realtor on time. And there can be bad blood. You know, there can be. So luckily, it's not something that I really deal with because we over communicate. We make sure that every deal is cleared to close way ahead of schedule. And if it's not going to be for any reason in the rare occurrence, we're communicating with everyone that both agents know what's going on. The buyer knows what's going on. The attorneys, I mean, just everybody is in tune. So they know here's the delay. Here's why it happened. And here's whose fault it is. Sometimes it's nobody's fault, right? Sometimes it's mother nature or an act of God or something. There's nothing that can be done. But as long as we communicate and tackle it, everyone feels a lot better. And when those deadlines are unavoidable, people feel a lot less stressed. They feel a lot better knowing a solution's already in place. We already have our plan B, so to speak, and we can continue to move forward in the process. But like I said, in those cases where 
there are delays. What I've heard a lot of lenders do is they'll stop answering their phone. They won't answer their email. They'll hide scared rather than tackle the issue at hand. And that causes a really bad situation and a bad reputation with the others in the process. So one of the reasons why my partners love me so much on all sides is because of this over-communication. It really is. Because bad things are going to happen. Almost every single deal has at least one speed bump or one hiccup. If we can tackle that, explain, here it is, here's how it happened, here's why it happened, here's the solution. And when you take that solutions-based approach to these delays and problems, everyone ends up just feeling a lot better at the end of the day. And all my partners at the end of a closing, they got a smile on their face, they're extremely pleased, they're not stressed, and they're ready to do it again. Okay, that's what you want. You don't want a situation where people walk out of a closing and go, God, that was a nightmare. I never want to buy another house or I never want to do another closing with this bank or work with this attorney, you know? And one of the big challenges that I have is dealing with all the different personality types during the transaction because sometimes my buyer will bring in an attorney that I've never worked with before. Sometimes it can be really, really bad, Mm. but that's who my buyer chose and we need to be able to accommodate that. So I'll drop hints to my real partners like, hey, this attorney doesn't seem to have all of their deadlines in a row. They're not very communicative. I think we may have a delay on this. I'm telling you right now, three weeks till closing that I think there might be a delay. And then the realtor can help me to ride that uh, that attorney or title company to make sure that we meet the deadline so that all of us together can work as that team cohesively. Well, you know, listen, communication is really the key to success on everything. If you think about it, certainly it's going to make Any real estate transaction runs smoothly. So then what are some of the best practices around, uh, you know, surrounding communication that you can use with your clients and partners to ensure a smooth process? Yep. So, you know, we're talking, you're hearing the theme about communication being key. So there's a couple different things that I do during my process to make sure that things move swiftly and smoothly. Number one is emails need to be returned within one to two hours. Again, that's not always possible. People have lives and jobs. But ideally, emails need to be responded to within one to two hours. Now, sometimes that email response might be, hey, I got your email and I'm looking into that. I'll get back with you a little later. That's fine. At least we know it's handled. But give some sort of response. There needs to be that give and take, that back and forth, so everybody is on the same team and moving towards a common goal. So that's number one is quick responses to emails. Number two is texting between groups so or between parties. So nowadays with the technology and everyone using their phones, you know, five years ago, almost no one was texting on this stuff. Nowadays, 75% of my transactions, I'm either texting with the buyer, the realtor, the attorney, or a group text with everybody in it. Mm. So we're all on the same page. So that's huge because we can get quick couple sentence here and there and keep everybody on the same page through the process without a whole deluge of huge, you know, emails coming in. <laughs> you open up your email and you've got 30 emails yeah. oh. and a lot of them are one or two words. No, that's where text messaging can come in and really create a great communication style if everybody's on board with it. It's really just a matter of figuring out that communication style early in the process and then, you know, migrating how we're going to communicate to everybody's style. The last thing that I'm doing right now that my realtor partners absolutely love is 
the portal. So we use a portal called Flowify. Every mortgage company or many have different portals now, but what the portal does is it's a central location where the loan status can be tracked and everyone can see where we're at in the process as milestones are hit. Also, we can get and receive, or I should say, send and receive documents through the portal as well. So if we need an extra pay stub, we need a document to be signed, we need a new bank statement, we can request it in the portal and everyone will be notified that needs to be so that they can upload it in the portal. The reason why this is great is because the notifications happen via text and they also can happen via email. So a realtor I may not have talked to in a few days will find out, hey, the appraisal came in or hey, now we got the underwriting approval or now we're cleared to close. And they can get the text message alerts and they can get the email alerts to know what's going on and where they're at in the process. That everyone just loves right now because they're not interrupted. They don't need to take a, a a telephone call to you know talk about it necessarily. They can just look at their email or text message and know where things are at in the process. And better yet, they can actually log into the portal themselves and see where we're at and what steps we have remaining. So it's been a huge value add for me. It's been a, a big differentiator for me because a lot of mortgage companies, banks, and credit unions, they don't use a portal that is as sophisticated as the one I use called Flowify. And again, it's just been a huge, huge relief for everyone. You had said something a moment ago that really caught my attention. <clears throat> and you said, there's usually, it, even in the best transactions, there's always that one hiccup or speed bump. Mm -hmm. And it could be a myriad of things. What is the most common speed bump, though, that we can try to avoid? In a common speed bump? I would say there's two, which okay. is delays in related to the appraisal and the title search. Those are the two big ones. Right. So we're sitting there, the loan's approved, everything's good to go, but we're waiting on this appraisal to come in. So what can we do to rectify that? What we can do is ha get the appraiser in there as soon as possible. So sometimes if you're buying a home, you may not have control over yeah, that. Yeah, everybody because, works by appointment. You, you get right. it when you get it. You know? So, I mean- one thing that we do is if we know it's a rush and we know that it's going to be a tight timeline, we can order a rush appraisal. So we can tell the appraiser right up front, hey, we need this in four days and we're going to pay you a rush fee to do that. Usually the rush fee can range, I would say, one to $200 on average. And luckily, the appraisers will accommodate that for the right price. And when they do, they're pretty good about getting it back at that time. So if we know we're in a tight timeline scenario, we can definitely ask for a rush. And same on the title search. We can ask for a rush on that as well. If you would like to do one of two things, if you'd like to... Uh Get in touch with Rob Weinberg. Schedule an appointment with him. I would do so by with calling him at this number, 860-413-3938. Let me say it again slower. Write it down. I I, I know it's uh, I sometimes speak a little fast. Not as fast as Rob, of course, you know. But uh, I, I want you to make sure that you have this number because it's vital. 860-413-3938. By the way, you can also email him at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at Gmail. Dot com. Again, that's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next week, have a good Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.